0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. There's a meme my very literary teenage daughter likes. It describes different literature styles by nationality. It goes like this. English literature, I will die for honor. French literature, I will die for love. American literature, I will die for freedom. Russian literature, I will die. While I've spent the great majority of my life in America, I was born in Russia, and I still carry around that Russian stoicism and bluntness, especially where death is concerned. The casual way I talk about death really alarms my family. Can you not... They say when I talk about death the way I talk about like anything else happening in the future, where I want to be buried, what I'd like to see happen to my stuff after I'm gone, etc. Or I read this thing recently that said for so many people, the last words they say before they die is calling out for their mama. I shared this with my husband and kids and they did not enjoy that update at all. I was thinking about how sweet it was for someone in their 90s who hadn't seen their own mother in decades to still feel her and want her when they're on their own deathbed. To me, that was a happy story. The faces of my family said that they didn't agree and they didn't want to be thinking of their own deaths and their mom long gone. So I try to tone it down for them. But it is just interesting to me how different cultures think or don't think about death. I'm scared of death. Don't get me wrong. I want to live a long life. I want to be with my family as much as possible. But to me, the whole point is having a limited amount of time on this earth so that we can really appreciate what we have. My son sometimes asks me these would you rather questions. And one of them recently was, would I prefer to be 20 years younger today or live till 300? I mean, very much neither. I want to be right here where I am. I don't want to be 20 years younger. I like my current age and I love my current life and I don't want to live until 300. I want to do everything I'm supposed to do in the time I have and go to my grave confident that I've maxed out my life in every way. This is a show about life and about making changes to your life to improve it. So it's important to think about the fact that life does come to an end. Did you spend it the way you intended to? Are you making the changes to make it what you want it to be? If we don't face the reality of death, that this all ends someday, what's our impetus to improve our lives today? As my kids get older, and the older two are coming up on 14 and 11 in a few weeks, and the youngest is eight, I'm trying to hold on to real moments with them as long as possible. I realized recently that so many of our best memories are on vacation, and that's great. But life isn't vacation, and I want more regular day memories together, too. So we've started doing things like we read a book together after dinner, something we haven't done since they were small. And I want to take family walks more often. We live in Florida. The weather is usually perfect. We should enjoy it like we would on vacation. The idea that I will die someday propels me to live better, It makes me want to waste less of my time to focus on the things that matter to me and discard the rest. Death doesn't have to be scary. It can be the motivation that you need to live. Coming up next, an interview with Kevin McCullough. Join us after the break.
1: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
2: Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. My guest today is Kevin McCullough, TV and radio host, columnist at townhall.com. Kevin is also the seer of political things, lover of the Dallas Cowboys, great food, yoga, and one very stunning brunette. He didn't tell me to say that. He hosts That Kevin Show. Thanks for coming on, Kevin.
3: Hey, Carol. It's great to see you, and congrats on the uh, podcast. It's just tearing up the the uh, internet and i love it
2: thanks so much so i've known you a long time um and it's still fascinating to me that you've become a yogi is it fair to say that was a bit out of character for you when that began
3: very very much so
2: how did um, how did it happen
3: we had moved uh, we moved three times in eight years inside the same village which is nuts No, why would anybody do that Why would anybody do that um but in the in the last move, we left a house that had a pool and our kids were just starting to get to the age where they needed to start taking swim lessons. Mm-hmm. So we joined a local lifetime. They get no money for me saying this, um, or I get no money for me saying this, but we joined a <laughs> local lifetime uh, workout place mm-hmm. near us. And as part of the package, they had yoga classes and the stunning brunette of which you spoke um, said to me, I think I want to try those because it's part of the basic package. And I said, okay, uh, she was going, this was before pandemic. She she went probably 15 or 16 weeks. Uh, she had lost weight. She was vibrant with energy. She was feeling so good and so confident about herself. And I said, I think I want to give that a try too, to which she promptly said, no, this is my thing. <laughs> so I said, oh. Well, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Knowing that she was uh, someone who did not like to get up early, I knew that they had classes at 5.30 and 6 o'clock in the morning. So uh, about a month later, I started getting up mysteriously three times a week and going. And I I was lost. I didn't know anything about what I was doing. Um, I used to make fun of people that took yoga when I was, you know, in my athletic years. Uh, (laughs) And I found out it was not only one of the hardest things I'd ever done, but it was also one of the most rewarding things. Um, and I met this great, great, great instructor. Uh, her name is Lucy. Shout out to Lucy. She she gave me some one on one to kind of break down what the poses mean and you know why they go in the order that they go in. Like I because I, I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and about I don't know two months later. The brunette rolls over to me one morning. She goes, why do you get up so early? Where are you going? <laughs> I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm working out. She goes, why can't you just go work out, you know, when when I go to class? And I said, well, because I'm taking yoga. Mm-hmm. She goes, well, why didn't you just take it with me? <laughs> and I said, well, I didn't want to rain on your parade. And so uh, we started then taking uh, regularly 945 uh, vinyasa flow classes. If people are into yoga, they know what vinyasa is. Mm. Um, it's a very aerobic uh, intense kind of workout, but you get a lot of anaerobic uh, muscle training and other things in it as well. We've been doing that now for four years, minus just the wow. few months that we had to kind of do it remotely and other things because of the stupid po- uh, COVID pandemic. But uh, yeah, we've been doing it. And in fact, as we are having a conversation at this very moment, she is in that class that I am not getting to be at because mm-hmm. I am talking to Carol Markowitz.
2: Wow. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your yoga class. Not a class, problem. You know? Not <laughs> a problem. Glad to be it. So did you always want to be in radio? Is that something lifelong dream? Or I didn't know something if radio,
3: into? I mean, I've pre- <laughs> very, very prescient statement by uh, an aunt, my, my mother's only sister, actually. She says to me after um, coming over to babysit one night where I just literally, she, I did to her what my Jonathan, my 11 year old does to me, but I just talked her ear off all night. <laughs> And she literally turns to me at one point and she goes, Kevin, as long as you can make a living with that mouth of yours, you're never going to go hungry.
2: That's great. Um,
3: I don't think she meant it as a compliment, but, um, it was <laughs> kind sure of in the degree. And then, so after that, I, my, my grant, my one grandfather, I was a collector of audio equipment. So I had like these classic reel to reel machines. I had mm-hmm. cassette decks. I had old vinyl record players. I had all kinds of stuff. Um, and the, the kind of Creme de resistance. The piece de resistance was the day that my grandfather let me have one of his old CB radios, and I figured out how to input um, the audio from my mixer into the CB radio. I ran the magnetic antenna up the rain gutter outside my window, stuck it on top of the house, and began broadcasting on channel 19, which also happened to be the official channel of the River Oaks Police Department. And they put my shenanigans to rest about six days later. But we, we had some <laughs> great, great shows in those early days.
2: It's excellent. What would you be doing if you weren't on on the radio? If you weren't a radio host? Oh uh,
3: well, I've done a lot of other things, so I would probably be an entrepreneur of some sort. But um, I also have a degree in theology, so I mm. would probably be involved in uh, in ministry in some way and trying to help people. Um, my passion is is people and. Making sure that we leave them the best world we can, so it's probably something along those
2: lines. Do you get recognized a lot? Like, what's it like leading a pretty public life?
3: Um, I don't get recognized as much as my kids wish I would. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Believe uh, me, I my kids do not enjoy when I get recognized. They, no, they're like, oh, and, you but know. no, they they
3: want me. They like the fact that I have a TV show and that I'm on the radio and mm-hmm. that I'm on all the other channels and stuff. Um, they don't like the fact that almost none of their parents (laughs) agree with me on much of anything.
2: We'll Um, move to Florida. I have an easy solution for you. Oh, that's true. Suddenly my kids are much more popular.
3: (laughs) That's true. Among their friends. I actually think it's not been a bad thing because it's caused my uh, children to kind of evaluate what I say based on its merits and Mm -hmm. um, also a good exercise in teaching them to be winsome. You know, I, I kind of approach, politics, not that we're going to get into politics here, but I kind of approach it as uh, as I would uh, what some people use the term evangelical in, in terms of faith. I want to be a positive advocate for what I believe. And I want to win people to the ideas that I hold, because I think the ideas really are good. And I think they really do make a difference. Um, so in doing it winsome is not something that <clears throat> our side does sometimes very often. I, d- I don't ever want to be questioning the number of of eggs that some pop star still has in her womb somewhere, it's not that that part of it's not going we'll get help, into Taylor Swift. At all. oh man, you didn't tell me we we're talking Taylor, okay,
2: of course we're talking Taylor, so but do you worry about? them your kids getting like repercussions based on who you are like there was a recent abigail schreier had a wrote on her substack recently that her daughter was cut from a soccer team in california because of who she is because the the coach simply doesn't like abigail um i do worry about stuff like that
3: i i have not worried about that but i've i've felt the the nasty side of this i have an adopted son who's older than our biological kids and when I was uh, living and working in Chicago before coming to the New York area, um, we were in the middle of some pretty um, pretty tumultuous constitutional questions at the time and i was I was talking about them on the air a lot and I got an email out of the blue from someone saying they knew uh, what school my child went to, and um, wow, you know what what entrance in the building he got dropped off at, and so forth. I took that seriously. I um, Good. Yeah. reported it, got a restraining order in, in place. Um, I, I don't mess around with that stuff. I, I largely mm-hmm. don't make reference to my family members by name on the air. Um, mm-hmm. I know I just gave my 11 year old's name, but uh, sometimes I do that. But in, in large measure, uh, I try to live as anonymously as I can. Will that have repercussions for them at some point? I hope not, because again, my goal is to engage in conversation that is meant to convince and meant to win, um, right. not to always shove away and push away. There are going to be unreasonable people that are going to say, no, I just can't be around you because you just disgust me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have to hang out with them. Sure. Um, but where where I can build positive conversation, I'm, I'm always about trying. And I think it's to our movement's detriment that more people don't try. Because I think there's a lot of people, Carol, especially since your book came out and the, pandemic happened. I think there's a lot of people in the middle that don't know I exactly agree. everything that they believe, but man, if we just had some good conversations and some winsome people out there just making the case, ugh, what good work could be done.
2: Yeah. I'm going to have to look up the word winsome after this conversation. <laughs> oh. But, I've always but yes. you to be. Um but no, I agree. I, I you know, for the book tour, um I had a lot of people coming up to me and saying, you know, I'm not on your political side or I'm a liberal, but um, or I'm a moderate or whatever. Uh, but I think that these issues around children are really important. And I, I agree with so much of what you say. And the thing is, and this is something that like I feel like doesn't get discussed enough. A lot of times you'll see people tweeting or, or writing, you know, I don't usually agree with blah, blah, blah. But who cares? Who cares if you usually agree with them or not? Just say it. Just say whatever it is. You don't need to qualify that normally you disagree with this person. Or the other one that I really like is I, I don't always agree with Kevin McCullough, but I don't always agree with anybody ever. Like, I don't have anybody ever that I always agree with. That's crazy. And I, I think that people need to kind of dial back the idea that when you agree with somebody, you're signing up for their whole, yeah. you know, No, life actually, package. I would be
3: fine if nobody said... Used any labels ever. Like, if the, I would be totally, totally down with people saying, I don't know if I'm a Democrat or Republican or a progressive or a conservative, but mm-hmm. what I believe about the money I earn is that I should be able to keep as much of that as is necessary to provide sure. for my family. You right. take the 10 biggest issues should a nation defend itself? Should a nation protect its borders? Should mm-hmm. a nation uh, take the money from the people? Uh, that are working or let them keep as much of it as possible? Should we be kind to children? Should we be kind to seniors? You, you, you take any of the big issues related to a lot of this stuff and you wipe the labels away and you just talk about the substance, this nation would be overwhelmingly uh, considered center right to right in terms of just how they view the world. The, the issue nice. is that we, it is very easy to compartmentalize everybody if we can label them all. And I think that that works yeah. to our detriment.
2: I definitely agree with that. So on your show, you're very, and, and just generally in life, you're, you're very effusive about your wife. Mm-hmm. You clearly are obsessed with her. I love it. Um, do you get any pushback or criticism for that? I feel like I've seen in the last few years, especially around for men, I would say, especially for men when they're like, like, oh, I really am so in love with my wife or like really talk about their wives in a, a really positive way. They get called names. I, I don't know if you remember there was a, the, the wife guy, it was like the guy that always mentions his wife. Like the New York Times had a whole piece on it. No. So do you get that criticism or no? No,
3: I've gotten more uh, compliments to that than anything because mm-hmm. we just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary wow. this last year. So we've, we've been around for a long time. Um, but I would say that people that do that kind of thing, sadly, probably don't know the benefit of what a really strong yeah. marriage partner brings to your life. Look, uh, I'm going to admit this way up front. I way outkicked my coverage on, <laughs> on my uh, bride, not just in mm-hmm. how, you know, how attractive she is. And she is stunningly beautiful, though she doesn't believe that she is. Um, but she's a thinker. She feels deeply. She is a wonderful mother. She manages our home and lives almost effortlessly. I mean, I, I'm shocked at how easy she makes it look. And at the end of the day, she's, she's my deepest, dearest, best friend that um, can can and will talk to me about anything, especially very, very hard things when we have very hard things to deal with. And I, I can't put a dollar of value on anything even similar to that by way of people in my sphere of experience that have, that if I looked at, at one person and said, that person has made more of an impact on me personally as a person than any other person it would be her she edited all three mm-hmm. of my books she regularly gives feedback on my column and on my uh, wow. show she is my pop culture critic if i get if i get a pop culture reference wrong we do the assignment desk weekend on the <laughs> on the tv show on the weekends it's kind of mm-hmm. like a weekend update but if i if i get an inference wrong on something she's like you got to change that <laughs> i mean she, right. she just gives me all of those extra eyes ears and and feedback that that I wouldn't have otherwise. And that doesn't intimidate me. Like, I'm really grateful that that she's here.
2: We're gonna take a quick break and be right back on the Carol Markowitz Show.
1: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever.
2: Do you feel like you've made it?
3: I was waiting for that question. I don't think I have. And I was thinking about this because you told me that you ask all your guests that question.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't think that I have from this standpoint. I have had seasons of really great happiness where growth and development have occurred. And I feel like, wow, is this, is this it? Like, did, it, did I make it? And mm-hmm. I find somewhere not long after that feeling that there's always like, oh, I'd love to try that. Um and so i would say i am way further from where i started but i i've got so much further to go in terms of what i would like to see and accomplish and, and do and I, and i don't say that in a in a selfish way it's not that i feel like i want to um achieve a certain thing for me it's like I have goals for my kids. I want to see them successfully transition to adulthood and to mm-hmm. start lives that they find great satisfaction and peace with. I want to I want to make a bigger difference in the world around us. My my listeners have liberated over the last 5 years we've liberated 4300 human slaves. Uh, across the globe wow. um, we have done relief work in places like uh, Israel recently with the uh, conflict there we've 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 helped get people that don't have homes homes um, I feel like there's always more to do and so I feel like and i I coach a lot of talent um, TV mm-hmm. and radio talent and when I tell them you 're only as good as your last air check that's really true whatever you just did by way of your last presentation is 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 what your current Mm -hmm. reputation rides on. So I'm always wanting to improve what I'm doing. I have good mentors in my life that I seek out advice from and feedback from. Um, And then there's people that I'm turning around and giving that uh, feedback back to as well. So it's kind of like a never-ending process, but I figure a rolling stone gathers no moss. So why not just keep Mm -hmm. going?
2: I, I feel like we're missing a lot of that mentorship in this country where people, you know, take somebody younger under their wing and show them how it's done. And a lot of it is also, I think a lot of people just feel like they know everything already. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I have the internet. Like everything's available to me. I I already know all of it. But I think a good mentor You know that story um, that came um, out
3: last week or the week before about Gen Z and hating nine to five jobs and how they have no patience. I feel like
2: that story comes out every few weeks. Oh my gosh. It's (laughs) like
3: there's a whole generation of kids that not only don't know how to do anything, but they don't want Mm -hmm. to learn how to do anything. And I'm really fearful that that is going to be a very destructive season when they come into leadership, uh, in terms of their, their time, if they don't, if they don't turn that around, because that is, that is an awfully ignorant, unhappy, belligerent place to live. And for one, I don't want my kids to live there. So that's one of the reasons why we're going to try to help focus them in a different direction.
2: I, I, my only pushback to this is think about every generation. I think like look at uh, you know I'm Gen Z or I, that's what I consider myself. Um And as are you, right? We're both Gen I'm, Z. I'm Gen X. Uh, I'm sorry, know. Gen Gen, there X, you Gen go. X. Sorry, Gen X. Yeah, well, Gen Z. No, we're not Gen Z. Gen X. Yes. But do you remember we were slackers? We were the slacker generation who like wore well, we were you know the, the plaid shirts the and didn't want to work. Like, the yes. Boomers
3: tried to tell us what to do. Thinking back
2: to when to when we were you know twenty, they called us the slacker generation. There was a movie called slacker. Um, and it, 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 I think every generation gets criticism. I remember thinking millennials were the laziest people in the universe. They were just always, I I remember the articles about them where it was like, millennials just don't want to work, but you know, you grow up and, and, and you kind of face reality. And I think what the Gen Zers have that the millennials and the Gen X really didn't have is, TikTok or Instagram where they post these videos of like, I don't like working. Working nine to five is you know, for suckers. And so we feel like it's more prevalent than other generations, but I think they're going to hit the same wall of reality that every other generation hits that this is how money gets made. You want a certain lifestyle. You want certain things for yourself. You're going to have to work for it and that nothing is free and that you don't get like only so many people get to be top influencers who actually make money on these apps and i hope you're right so i have hope i have hope that they all every every young generation is considered lazy and you know it's those boomers calling all of us lazy we should just like all unite against them
3: well they're not going to be around much longer so we should probably just cherish them and and let them be at peace when their time comes you're too
2: good you're too good too good kevin So tell me about Taylor Swift. You're a huge fan.
3: I'm not a huge fan, but I'm married <laughs> to the world's biggest fan. And, um, yeah. she literally spent all of 2023 playing the same playlist throughout our house. Um, mm-hmm. I think from about January till November when we finally broke out the Christmas music. Um, no.
2: Hey, Taylor has Christmas music. I think my, one of my favorite songs by her is "Tis the Damn Season." I think that's a <laughs> I don't you know think, that's a that's a, I Christmas, think song. That's a
3: Christmas song.
2: <laughs> no, she goes home for the weekend. Of, um, you know, re- re- I will say this about Taylor, love.
3: and so uh, Salem News Channel is one of the places that I work for, and and um, they asked me to executive produce an end of year special that we ran that was the 10 top news stories of the of the year and we used contributors from the channel to put it together and everyone kind of had their own pick and i got to do three of the 10 pieces um the the issue and story and person of who taylor swift is we we ranked her at number six in terms of general market news for the entire year um, mm-hmm. And the reason was, and there was no other single person that was just a news story, except for Donald Trump that made the list by themselves. But she did because she produced more GDP than 50 nations on planet Earth last year. Right. She paid her yeah. 16 semi truck drivers, $100,000 bonuses for the extra hard work that they were putting in. She. Mm -hmm. went out and had five simultaneous albums on the billboard top 100 chart uh in the in the same calendar year the only other person that's come close to that was elvis presley who at his peak had two um i mean there's so many things that you could just list every single stadium that she played set a new attendance record for the venue that she was in and Mm -hmm. usually she was there for two or three nights so for total Total attendance for a single event, all three events being considered one. She she shattered records that had been previously held. Um, there was right. there was just nothing that she didn't touch that turned to gold, including when they came to her and they said, um, or when she she thought, well, you know, Ares' tour went pretty well. Maybe we should make a movie of it. And mm-hmm. they, of course, had videoed every night's performance throughout the whole tour, so they had all of the footage. Uh, it cost her almost nothing to make. She went out and negotiated with the individual theater owners uh, how the release would yeah. occur. And, and she smart. starts getting criticized mm-hmm. by all the smart people in the room saying, oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. you could have done much better if you had gone through us. Well, on opening weekend, she was in 3,800 theaters, the most of any movie in the country in the, in that year, she grossed 92 million in opening weekend, which was more than the other top 20 films of that weekend put together. I, I think she did. Okay. Um, and yeah. I don't agree with her, do I don't think? agree with her politically yeah. on, you know, mm-hmm. she she's very I'm I'm pro-life, she's very uh pro-choice. She's very heavily mm-hmm. into the LGBTQ cause. I'm I'm not. There's just things that we differ on. But in terms of a force azure, I've never seen I've never witnessed any single one human being on planet Earth do what she did in the calendar year of 2023. And I don't think there's any way around it. People have to deal with who she is and she's and she's also done it in a winsome way. She's went out and she's she's found new fan bases. I don't you know, the Mm -hmm. NFL probably doesn't consider itself a Taylor Swift uh, arena. It is now. But Amy Mm -hmm. was watching the the uh, Chiefs uh, playoff game as she she was. She did. She she was looking up the puffer Um, coat, (laughs) whatever coat she showed up in. She's like, i got to find out how they made that. She did a whole research thing on her phone.
2: That was a good was story, a that story. quote. It yeah. was a, a, interesting, yeah. So what do you think conservatives misunderstand about Taylor Swift?
3: Well, because they don't uh, take the time to try to understand, I think they just get her wrong a lot. I think, um, yeah, you can you can say her, her songs can come off a little bit on the whiny side. She's had some mistreatment. She's also made a lot of bad decisions when it comes to the guys that she's chosen to be with. Yep. So that's kind of like a wash. But I think that... Peggy Noonan actually wrote a piece about her in the Wall Street Journal, and I thought it was really well said. You know, she she has some profanity in her music, but it's very mild compared to most of what the pop Mm -hmm. culture is uh, these days. Uh, She does. She's not promiscuous. She doesn't she doesn't, uh, you know, advance this idea that girls all need to dress like streetwalkers. Um, She is she she carries herself with dignity. She is a positive role model on so many levels. And she has kind of the heart of a generation. And I would say that we need to pay attention to how she, how she goes about what she's doing because our daughters are going to like her and we're going to have to, we're going to have to figure out a way to um, accommodate that or give them really good reasons why they shouldn't. But right now, you know, I, I helped make the friendship bracelets for my bride and daughter to go see the movie. Uh We didn't take, we didn't take the baby girl to the, to the, arena show i only took the bride to mm-hmm. that but we did take the baby girl to go see yeah. the movie
2: i'm trying to figure out how i can take my 13 year old to one of the shows i mean it, it's you know she's a huge taylor swift fan she doesn't oh, didn't get anything. in one of the I'm, I'm going 20, to make it happen. Shows? she wasn't a she wasn't a swift fan yet i would say she became um, a taylor swift fan in the last year and now taylor's coming to miami um next yeah. fall so the you know the pressure's on i want I, i'm going to make it happen for her but you know it, it's it's interesting because i i agree with so much of that it's not my kind of music ultimately, mine either. but i enjoy that my daughter is super into it um i it reminds me of being 13 years old and really into different artists um and I, you know, I, I, I enjoy it on in my home, so I don't I don't have a problem with it. It's not like, oh, my God, it's, turn it's turned off. into a guy so, girl
3: thing in the McCullough house. The boys, they, if they hear yeah. one more song, they're going to put their head through a wall. Um And then, you know, my princess comes out and she, she goes, but this is so good. You just have to give it a chance. So,
2: Right. It's my, my youngest son is a Swifty also. I mean, he does whatever his sister wants, but also the fact that she's dating Travis Kelsey. They were on this so much <laughs> earlier than the story broke. Like they knew this was coming, you know, I would say very early. Um, so he's been very into that. Yeah, I think my my bride was
3: actually yeah. um texting your kids, telling them all the stuff because she she knew about the. <laughs> the friendship bracelet at MetLife before he said it on the podcast. Yeah, like there was somehow. It right, got out there, right. So. Same.
2: Yeah, they you know, they're they're really into it. So on a bigger topic, what do you think is our largest cultural or societal problem in America? And do you think this it's is solvable? the
3: most difficult question that you told me you were going to ask? Um,
2: it's funny, because of the three questions, it people vary really vary between what they think is the hardest one, and this isn't always the hardest one for people well, I think
3: i wanted I wanted you know. to answer it thoughtfully because it's mm-hmm. easy to just turn political at this point in the conversation and then fall into the labels that we just talked about not having, right? like well, if we just had a different administration, then the world would be different. But that is not my answer to this question um. I'm a, I'm a Bible-believing, God-fearing person. Um, I believe that God exists for a reason and that that reason is good for us to understand as human beings um, because he made all of us. So having said that, mm-hmm. I think the context of what the biggest problem we face, generally speaking, in 2024, in the pop culture that we live in, is a lack of accountability. When you don't have accountability for your actions— You destroy the universe around you. I, I, my, my 13 year old got baptized this last year and it was his decision. And he thought a lot about it before it happened. But we, we had a lot of theological discussion about, um, sin and the depravity of man and who God is and, and what, what constitutes all that. And I said, and I've said to him repeatedly that selfishness is in and of itself the, what is at the core of everything that we would deem immoral or sinful. So wanting what I want more than the, to the exclusion of what everybody else wants or needs, um, and wanting it to a degree that I'm willing to take actions that are hurtful towards others, et cetera, is, is the, that's the piece of sin that is in every sin that every sinner ever commits. So how does that work? Well, Mm -hmm. You murder somebody. You don't want that person to live for some reason, but it's it's not because of what's good for them. It's because you're angry with them. You have something that you despise. They've done you so wrong that this is the only way they're mm-hmm. going to they're going to rat you out. Something's going that 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 is the core of what that crime essentially comes from. And when you live in a society where there's no accountability or no check and balance on what your heart thinks, then selfishness is what comes to the fore. So I really do believe that an internal reflective, which, come on, has there been a season where we've ever been less concerned, I mean, less uh, interested in our our own navels than what we live through right now? It's all about me. Everything's always me. Mm -hmm. I want what I want, and I want it when I want it. Um, We cater to this. That lends itself to a lack of accountability. The reason the left despises the, the founders and the, and the founding documents of our country is because there's so much accountability built into it that you can't have one branch of government that's just gonna railroad the other two. And it's clunky right. and it's um, inefficient if you're the one that's trying to get stuff done, but it also makes sure that there's a lot of checks and balances, you, and you could trace this throughout our entire conversation. You asked um, why I have such affection for my bride. In part, it's because she keeps me accountable. She is someone that I know that at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I have to look in the face of, and I have to be accountable for what I've done and where I've been and, and why I've been involved in the things that I've been involved in, because she's going to ask me, hey, how was yeah. your day? There's there's just basic um, restraint that comes into a society when accountability is, is put to people. And all you have to do is look at some of the biggest headlines uh, right now to see that. Um, One of the reasons that I think that uh, Taylor Swift is so interesting is that she sought to hold people who did her wrong very accountable. Um, And she said, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to let you get away with the (laughs) the stuff that you've done. Um, You could could talk politics. You could talk Hunter Biden. He's trying to evade accountability. You could say that uh, there have been people on the right that have tried to do the same thing. The reason Nixon had to resign was because he was evading accountability for his actions. In other words, this is a theme that runs through every life every person every corner of society Mm -hmm. and ultimately i believe our accountability does come from god i think we are held accountable by God, at some point in time. But in the human sphere, the reason that parents raise good kids is because the parents put a check and balance on the on the child, and they say, "Hey, no, that's not what we're going to do yeah. today. We're going to do we're going to do this instead." And you're not going to get your way, Johnny, on every single thing that you ask for, because Susie's going to have requests and she's going to have needs too. Living mm-hmm. in a community, whether it be a family or a larger uh, community, we hold. A certain degree of responsibility towards one another. It's not. It takes a village, but it is a. Um, we have to live together, and we have to. We have to figure out a way to winsomely figure out solutions mm-hmm. that help all of us <laughs> do better. And sometimes that means saying no to somebody, and sometimes that means no. We're not going to act that way because we didn't get our way this particular time. So, biggest crisis we face: lack of accountability. I think across the board is really. Um, the thing that I would point to. And and it's the kind of thing that kind of keeps me up sometimes at night. I, I worry about, you know, is the government going to slide yeah. off the edge because they're trying to do away with accountability in different ways. So it is, it is to me, that's it.
2: That was a very winsome <laughs> answer that <laughs> leads us very, very well to our last question. Um, end with your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their lives.
3: Wow. Well, there's a lot of things that come to mind, and because I am somewhat faith-based and so forth, I could go in that direction, but I'm, I'm going to go with this instead. It's probably the hardest lesson I had to learn. Um, when I was young, grr, um, and growing up in a conservative house and always being told the conservative answers to life's biggest dilemmas, I grew up kind of thinking that I knew it all. And when things didn't work out the way that I had hoped they would, I could have a tendency to get jaded. And at one point in time, I had a friend who was very wealthy. He was actually a client, but he was very wealthy. And I made some offhanded remark when I was playing a round of golf at his golf club on his dime. I made some side remark about someone being, you know, wealthier than God and not knowing what to do with it. And he wrote me this handwritten letter afterwards. And he was like, Kev, um, there's a lot of things that are wrong with the world. And I share your, your passion for trying to, to make things right. He said, but if you have this, this outlook that you're the only one who's right and everybody else is always wrong, you, you're, you're going to self-destruct. And because mm-hmm. I love you and care about you, I'm willing to tell you about this. And I think that I need to draw your attention to it because I think you need to change. I'd never had somebody mm-hmm. speak to me that way, um, especially regarding this. Yeah. And what I learned quickly was that it's not wrong to have your opinions based on fact and to try to be as, as truly truthful and right as you can be about everything that you want to do. But being willing to apologize quickly and mean it and take an mm-hmm. inventory of where you're at and adjust and calibrate your response to that confrontation is probably one, of the, it's probably one of the healthiest things that we can learn how to do. It was a hard thing for me to learn how to do. I still don't always do it well, but I'm way better at it than, than where I was. And I think that if I could encourage people Um, When you're in, even if it's an argument with your spouse, your kids, someone at work, you know, voters in a picket line, whatever, I mean, whatever, pick your scenario. If someone's in your face and they're confronting you, if you can take the breath, listen to what they're having to say for any amount of truth, apply it. If it it, it applies, apologize, build a bridge, try to go Mm -hmm. forward where you can. You're not always going to be able to. There are going to be relationships that break. Even if you apologize and try to make it right, but being humble enough to say, I'm sorry about stuff you get wrong and to do it quickly, don't stretch it out and make it take four and a half hours to sit, you know, stooping in it all night and oh well, tomorrow I'll deal with it. No, evaluate, do the assessment, apologize quickly, repair the relationship. People are the greatest commodity on planet earth carol they are They are our best friends, they are our spouses, they are our kids. There is no aspect of life that does not involve people, and if we cannot find a way to build a bridge to people, um, we don't we're not going to have a, a good life. There's not going to be anything nice about wanting to be around us and i want to I want a nice life. Yeah. I want lots of grandkids i want to I want to look back when I'm done and say, "Yes, wow, <laughs> look at what happened. Yeah,
2: I made it, yeah. Well, he is the winsome Kevin McCullough. Wait, Check him out on that Kevin show. Though. I've loved talking to so you. One of the yeah. things I know Sorry, about go ahead. You yeah.
3: is that you are a connoisseur of bourbon. Am I, am I wrong?
2: Oh, yeah. I, I'm kind okay. of into Rye right well, now, I but yes, I am a bring, connoisseur I don't know member, if you have yes.
3: seen, um, and I don't get a dime for this either, but I was like, I got to tell Carol about this. I
2: mean, you should get, you um, should get some dimes. Here is... <laughs>
3: Our new favorite bourbon in the McCullough house, New Riff, single barrel. Have you tried this? New Riff? You have no, to go find this. It is the most okay, caramelly, delicious, smooth um, bourbon that I've found. And it is, it is not incredibly, strangely, oddly, expensively priced. It is really, really uh, doable. But New Riff, right. single barrel. And uh, that's my little...
2: I'm going to go check it out. And I, I think that they should be sponsoring that Kevin show. I don't
3: know that some of my family members would want alcohol as as a sponsor of what I do. But because I know you <laughs> like good bourbon, I was like, I, I got to tell Carol about it. New Riff, like single bourbon. barrel. Thank I come so bearing much, gifts. Kevin. If we were in new the riff, same riff, studio, riff. I would I'm have poured you a it sip. Out. But we can't do that today.
2: I love Maybe it. next time. Well, we're going to definitely sometime, you know, join together over some bourbon. Love talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. He's Kevin McCullough. His show is That Kevin Show. Look it up. It's amazing. It's really well done. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks so much for joining us on The Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.